are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. It's kind of cool that there are a few people in the room that go back to the last millennium. Uh, And I've known a few people in the room even way back in the 80s. Now that means you have to be old to go back that far. Amen. I think that having people with whom we walk in this life, I think that's a treasure from the Lord. That's part of those good gifts that come down from above and the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Genesis 3.22, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him, that is Adam and Eve, out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and the woman, and God placed these flaming beasts, that's what cherubim means, flaming creatures, at the east of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard unto the tree of life. You may be seated. I'm privileged to travel a little bit around the country and from time to time go other places in the world, and people generally ask me where I'm from. They really don't want to know the whole answer. That would take about three pots of coffee to get the whole journey. This morning, I hadn't planned it this way, but my cufflinks are, uh, they are actually vintage Pentecostal conquerors cufflinks. I'm probably the only one in the room that has said cufflinks. My daddy wore these in the mid-60s when he was part of the youth committee in the state of Illinois. So these cufflinks remind me that I spent a little time in Illinois. My socks, I didn't really plan this either, but there's a mule on them. I'm, I was born in Missouri, and there's a, there's a hat on it. It's a doctor's hat. I earned that in Delaware. My hands are scarred with marks of places I've been and stupid mistakes I did with sharp instruments along the way. <laughs> So this morning, if you want to know where I'm from, I'm a Buckeye this morning. I've been a Buckeye for two days now. I might even root for the Ohio State University. That's where I'm from. People want to know where they're from because if they can find some kind of ancestry, some kind of heritage, some kind of nationality, they feel like they can have a sense of rootedness. You can even send a cheek swab off to folk who you've never met. Policemen need a warrant to stick a Q-tip in your mouth. But people are in such a desire to know where they come from, they will send that information off to someone they'll never know. Because there's this inward desire to find some kind of heritage, some kind of past. And some folks have been shocked and found out that they weren't related to people they thought they were related to. 
And wearing that attire from Germany wasn't fitting because they were actually from someplace else. We look to our roots to celebrate our family heritage, including traditions and foods. Process can find uh, some kind of belonging in a world of constant shifting and change. If I can find a place where my family came from 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, then, then I can have some kind of roots in a world that shifts and change. But this morning, I want to ask, I want to determine which is more important, where you're from or where you're going. I have never yet been asked by my GPS, put in where you were two months ago. It only wants to know my destination. It doesn't matter the journey, torturous or pleasurable, that got me from there to here. It only wants to know where do I want to go from today. So while we may celebrate our heritage, and in this room we are blessed to see folks of diverse color, diverse cultures, diverse languages are even being spoken in the room right here, right now. Why? Because we as God's people represent an eternity when He draws all families of the earth together. And we are practicing loving one another even in the house this morning. So it's kind of more important to know where you're going, not where you've been. Now, my emotions are frequently controlled by yesterday. Somebody frowned at me yesterday. I didn't feel love yesterday. And I know that that can be painful. There are folks in this room who have been shamed by folks in the past by forms of abuse, of which there are many dimensions of abuse. I won't begin naming them because there are probably an infinite number of forms of abuse that have happened on folks in this room. But the beautiful thing is that as sons and daughters of an almighty God, what was done to me yesterday defines me no longer. What was done to yesterday isn't something that holds me down and shackles my mind and controls my spirit. Instead, I can say I have been redeemed by the blood of Calvary. I have been set free from my yesterday. I belong here. So if you don't have any roots, you have some now. The Calvary Church is now your roots. You don't have a family someplace else. You can have this family. We'll adopt you around here. You belong here. We can just turn our back on yesterday and start looking towards where God is leading us tomorrow. I want to preach this morning on a topic of living as refugees. Living as refugees. I know this is a politically charged term. If you've been watching the media, you know what's happening in Syria, where small villages have turned overnight into either a bombed wasteland or a fenced city designed to hold maybe 20,000 refugees and can be bursting with a half a million people in that same amount of space. There are islands in the Mediterranean where there's violence today as people who natively live on, that on those islands are telling the government we don't want to have any refugee camps here. There are folks who want to welcome everyone to our shores, and there are, and there are folks who want to throw up the walls everywhere else. So I realize this morning I'm using a politically charged term, 
I do it on purpose to realize that you and I are refugees. Now, we might do some things to try to change our attitude that I really belong here. I'm not a traveler. I'm not a sojourner. I've lived in this house this long. I've lived in this city this long. I, I've got the connections here. I've had coffee at the same place for a long time. I was at one church here in Ohio several years ago preaching, and they says, well, we'll give you a choice after church. You can either go to the chicken house where we've gone since 1964 every Sunday, Or we can go someplace else. There ain't no choice in that. Bring on the chicken. You got a string going that's nearly as old as I am. I'm not breaking that chain with a little bit of pizza on a Sunday. No, bring on the chicken. If that's what it is to belong, we do things to convince ourselves that we belong here. We protect our here. We buy insurance for our here. We put bars on our windows for our here. We tell folks that I feel at home here. Brothers and sisters, this is not your home. You are just passing through. And there will be a day when you get to go home. There will be a day. You think you feel at home right now? You haven't felt at home home yet until you're in the Father's house. Because when you go into the Father's house, you're going to finally feel at home. The unrootedness, the brokenness, the pain and sorrow will all be gone. And Scripture tells us when we get there, there will be no more tear and there will be no more sorrow because you finally get to go home. I want 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 to go home. And as a matter of fact, if he wanted to take me home today, I wouldn't complain. I am sure there's a great big library in my house there. And I'm sure he's got every first edition fountain pen made there just waiting for me. But if I'm not careful, I forget that as I walk here, I walk as a refugee. Politically charged term. Jesus said to his disciples one day, they probably aren't going to like you. You know why? They spit on me, dude. They're probably going to say nasty things about you. They put nails in my hands. I'm a refugee. As a matter of fact, Jesus was a refugee before he was two. Kicked out of his homeland. His mama was a refugee the day he was born. Jesus is a refugee God. He knows exactly what we go through when we feel disconnected from our world. He came as a refugee from heaven to earth to show us the way home. Now you and I, we think about the curses that happen in this passage that we read, and most human beings seek a garden-like state, a state of rest, a state of perfection, kind of like the salmon that come out of the ocean, swim into the mouth of the river, and up that river, and jumping over falls, so they finally get to that stream in which they were spawned six years before in fresh water, and they'll find that small place and there they will give lay their eggs and there they will die sometimes we are pursuing the perfection here i want you to know you'll never get there here 
I'm tired of pain. Sorry. I'm tired of uncertainties. You're a refugee. There will be uncertainties forever until we get home. You see, we were created. Genesis 1.28 says God blessed all creation, and, but particularly blessed humanity and created us in His image. He blessed us and told us, be fruitful and multiply and extend and fill the whole earth and subdue and have dominion over everything. Wow, what a job description. And He says, oh, I've got one rule for you. You see that one tree over there? Don't eat that. Which means that's the only tree I want. <laughs> now, one of the things that separates us from human beings from the animal kingdom is our ability to use tools. So, when my mother would say, Son, don't put your hand in the cookie jar, she did not know who she was talking to. To prove I'm a homo sapien, I can grab tongs. and extract the cookie from the cookie jar without ever having put my hand in the cookie jar. Sorry to give your children ideas. Some people look at us as apostolic and say, y'all got too many rules. It doesn't matter if there's only one rule. If it's one rule is never spit on the sidewalk, I can't resist. If that was the only rule, I'd find a way to break the one rule. So when Adam and Eve, our ancestors, broke the one rule, verse 17 tells us that the God said, cursed is the ground for your sake, and you will toil and you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you'll eat the herb of the field. The sweat of your face will you eat the bread till you return to the ground out of which you were taken. For dust you were, and dust you will return. There were curses on the serpent. Got a quadruple amputation that day, and the serpent went from walking to crawling and suffering the hatred of every lady on the face of the earth. We moved into our house in Dallas, and two weeks later, I found a snake. And the overhang over our beautiful backyard just up there catching some rays on the awning so it felt warm. I have not yet told my wife where that snake was. I am not ready to move. If I do, I know who to call from now on. <laughs> the snake was cursed. The ground was cursed. Weeds grow more prolifically than Productive animals do, but human beings, we were not cursed. Some people misread the text and say God cursed Adam and Eve. He did not curse Adam and Eve. The snake was cursed and the ground was cursed, but people were not cursed. We suffer the consequences of our sin. We are not cursed by God. 
A human being may curse you, but God will never curse you. For He is the Father of light. He is not the Father of darkness. He is the Father of hope. He is not the Father of despair. He is the Father of joy. He is not the Father of pain. He is the Father of life. And He is not the Father of death. He did not curse Adam and Eve. Instead, He blessed them by putting this flaming sword at the east end of the garden. It was a protective measure because now that they were refugees in a place of sin, He did not want them to go and eat of the tree of the garden of life, tree of life, because then they would feel pain for eternity. I don't know about you, but I really don't want to live to be 150. I don't really want to live to be 100. I won't tell you how far down that number goes. I will thank God for the days that I do have, but I don't anticipate living past the century mark or to the century mark because my day of rejoicing isn't by turning that two digits into three digits. My day of rejoicing is being in His presence where we were made in His image and we were made for relationship with Him. You were not designed to die. That's why we resist it. I was not designed to lose my mother last October. That's why it was so painful. You were not designed to lose your pastor a little over a year ago. That's why it hurts so much. We were designed to be together forever in the presence of an almighty God. But here's the problem. When we were kicked out of the garden with its perfected place of relationship with Him, suffering began to follow us every single day of our lives And here's my hypothesis this morning. I think most of us live our days trying to get back and to get through the suffering and to find ways to deaden the pain and deaden the consequences of sin from yesterday. I'm asking you this morning, would you turn around and quit longing for something that doesn't exist anymore? Recognize you are a refugee in a broken world today. I'm not expecting this world to be perfect, but I am taking steps towards a place in His presence where I'm going to enjoy Him for eternity. And between now and there, I get to feel His presence just like I do right now. I get to call on His name just like we did a few moments ago. I get to live with purpose and design. Now, I also have arthritis in both my elbows and running up four flights of stairs, skipping every two steps is no longer a wise choice. Might be able to do it. It's just not a wise choice anymore. And there is some reason I can't consume as many calories as I used to. I mean, junior high kid, I would go to school. You know, you have those brown paper bags. I would put, my mama would, four sandwiches with homemade bread, which means it's twice as thick, and then a dozen cookies on top of that. My bag wouldn't fold over. It's a good thing I had big hands. I'd had to palm my lunch bag like people palm basketballs. 
And in those 20 minutes, I could devour all four sandwiches and dozen cookies without barely a burp. (laughs) These days, I can look at the cookies and gain three pounds. (laughs) That's because I live as a refugee in this world. The things that I would really like and enjoy are somehow tainted and harmed by the curses from the past. And we keep living as exiles and a diaspora people. We are a homeless people, but all the while we have this sense of vertigo, a sense that something is desperately wrong because of the curses from yesterday. I'm asking someone here this morning, quit fighting the curses from yesterday. Quit burning your energy getting over what somebody did to you yesterday. Quit, quit focusing on your mistake from a decade ago or last month or a failed marriage 20 years ago. For this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice in this day. I rejoice as a refugee man. I rejoice as a man with scars and follicle impairment. I rejoice as a man who limps a little bit and can't run anymore. But I will say this day is a gift from an almighty God. Not only is this day a gift from an almighty God, but I'm using this day to look towards that day. Some apostolics, some apostolics are going to be saved, but they're going to be miserable the whole time. They've been baptized. They've been filled with the Spirit. They're living a relatively bling-free life. Insiders know what I'm talking about. The rest just enjoy our laugh. (laughs) We're doing all the things, but I'm spending all of my energy fighting against all of my losses. Consequently, I'm backing my way into the future. I'm constantly looking at my health, which was broken with sin, Spending all of my energy saying, I, I could do something for God if I didn't have fill in the blank. I was not privileged to go to university like you, Jim. If I could have gone to university like you, Jim, then I would have a better life now. I didn't have that opportunity. The doors were slammed shut on me and my people. And I'm going to spend my days wishing my yesterdays had more blessings in them. I need to tell someone here this morning, there's enough blessings for you right here, right now, if you just raise your hand toward him. Those blessings will enable you to rotate around and now look boldly into his loving face. Yesterday owned you no more. All you got to do today is turn around and say from this day forward, I will live as a refugee and I will walk through the garbage dump of this world on my way to his presence forever. I probably need to take a prayer break right now because there's somebody in this room where you have worn sorrow for so long, you don't know what it would feel like to lay it down. Somebody in this room that has suffered the shackles of shame, that you're afraid that you wouldn't know how to walk anymore because you've adjusted your walk. You've adjusted your walk to compensate for the shame. So right now, if you don't mind, let's go into prayer for those folks. 
Lord Jesus, we pray right now. Would you give a ray of faith and hope to this person that is shackled by shame of yesterday and shackled by sorrows that are so deep they can't breathe anymore. I ask right now in the name of Jesus and the unction of the Holy Spirit, open up their eyes that they can see that shame has no hold on them, that yesterday has no claim on them, and they are free now to make a choice, make a choice to live in yesterday or to make a choice to turn around and face tomorrow in the only living name. I pray that right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. So you don't have to respond if you don't want to. But is there anyone in the room that will receive that prayer right now? Some things have been holding you down. And you need the Spirit. Thank you. You need the Spirit to release you. Some, thank you. Thank you. There's probably a few more that have that same sense. There's a crack in the door. There's a ray of light into your sorrow and said, if I could just believe Jim this morning, I could live differently. I I don't know if I'm going to take the risk. Would you just follow the rest of us that have been down this path already a little way? Would you just take that ray of faith the Master's bringing into you right now? Would you kick the door the rest of the way open and step into His marvelous light? Lord, give them a breath of fresh air right now. For you see, we can live our days fighting the curses. That list in Genesis 3 seems to grow year by year because humanity has been separated from their home, from their father, and from each other. I'm not against medicine, but if you want medicine to solve all your illnesses, there will be a new one next week, like there is this week, freaking out stock markets around the world and canceling conferences. Hurry up, medicine. Catch up with this disease. Liberate us. One more time. You liberated us from other diseases. Can you liberate us from this? Because I really want to be in the place prior to consequences of sin. So I will invest in medicine and I will pay an inordinate amount of income for insurance to make sure that I have access to all of my medical needs. And it's a political platform plank this morning even for folks saying we need more medicine for more people because what people really need is to reverse all the curses and get backward. I'm not against medicine when you need it, but this one thing I do know, medicine can't give you the joy, the peace, the hope you're searching for. That can only be found in Jesus. Turn around and face Him. Don't walk into tomorrow. Turn around and look boldly into His presence and take another step toward Him. I'm not against science. I'm not against technology. I just wish they had quit giving me new updates on my iPhone. (laughs) Could I have a month without an update? Please. (laughs) Right now I have this horrible problem. I can't airdrop from my computer to my iPad because one of them I updated and the other one I didn't. It worked three weeks ago doesn't work now. So I like science when science is kind. (laughs) Entertainment is fine. I enjoy some entertainment. I enjoy 
history. I enjoy studying those things. I even enjoy some old black and white flick from yesterdays. But when I find myself scrolling through Netflix to deaden my pain today, when I can't handle the silence and I gotta have it in my home, I gotta have it in my car, I gotta have it on my phone. I gotta pick up that show from my house into the garage, on my phone into the next place. And I gotta have the wireless pieces in my ear because I can't handle the silence. Because when there's silence, then yesterday's catch up with me. When there's silence, then the things that I don't have, they haunt me. I need someone to make me laugh. I need someone to give me an adrenaline rush. Because if they can give me an adrenaline rush, then I can feel like I'm alive. So I need the movie to be more violent than yesterday. I need the chase scenes. You can't have a horse chase scene from the 1940s cowboy movie anymore. Why? Because we've seen Fast and Furious 7, 8, 9, 10, 93, whatever they're up to now. We have seen things that you literally can't do with an automobile, done with an automobile, and my blood gets pumping, and I feel so alive safely in my recliner. (laughs) Okay, once in a while, to be entertained. What is not okay? When you're facing backwards, saying, I need this entertainment to fill up my pain box. Can't talk to my family. I need my pain box filled. I can't really relate to folks at work. I just need my pain box filled. We come up with so many ways to cover up the symptoms from yesterday. And as Americans, we love pills. We love things that can take away all of my struggles and strife. Whoever invents that anti-fat pill? It allows me to eat everything Tom Ellis shoves my way. (laughs) Dear God of heaven, I think he was slightly possessed by something else yesterday and the day before as he's shoving these luscious, fresh chips at me as I'm behaving myself with no carb meal. Then he shoves baklava at me and he quotes scripture. Yes, this is what the enemy will do to you. (laughs) The enemy will put things in your face and say, doesn't even Scripture proclaim, eat what's set before you. (laughs) Get behind me, Tom. Whoever invents that anti-fat pill that has zero side effects will make Mr. Brazos look like a beggar. Because our world is looking for a pill to fix what went wrong in the garden and every mark of sorrow since then. This morning I want to show you a different way. I want to show you a way to be willing to be God's diaspora 
refugee, people who walk on a mission, who are called to be a light to the nations, called to be a different kind of people. For you see, when we go into the oncology ward, when we go into that donut with the ding, 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 to read inside of our guts, we don't go in as a hopeless people. We go in knowing we have a Redeemer and our Redeemer ever lives. He may heal me today, but He may let me go home today. How in the world can I lose? If you're facing that way, you're saying, get relief of the pain. If you're facing this way, you're saying, I can't lose serving Jesus. If he heals me, I proclaim he's the healer in this hour. Proclaim that on that day, all cancer will be healed. But if he doesn't heal me today, my next step. Woohoo! I get to find out the coefficient of friction between leather and gold. Anyone that took physics 101 know what I just said. I got an angel waiting for me. This angel's got dancing shoes. Soon as I slip from there to here, he's going to slip those puppies on my feet. I'll be able to do more than this. Right now, I'm just warming up. Lord, I really want to dance now. But on that day, I get to dance with my Chinese brothers who were worshiping yesterday in secret. But on that day, I'm going to join arm in arm with my Saudi Arabian brothers who it's illegal to get baptized last week, but they did it anyway. I'm going to dance with them. So you got you to give me a little bit of space this morning. I'm excited about tomorrow because I know where I'm headed. And I'm looking at tomorrow face on. Might have been fired in the past. Might have had diseases in the past. Might have had sorrows in the past. Might have children that have walked away from God in the past. But this one thing I do know, my Redeemer ever lives. And when sorrow tries to switch me to look to my yesterday, I will say I will not live in seeking yesterday. I will walk in reality as a diaspora man, as a pilgrim, as a stranger even now. A Abraham, our father, he, he was a pilgrim, and Jacob was a pilgrim, and Joseph and all of Israel, they were refugees. Moses and then Israel were refugees in the wilderness. Israel was in exile into Babylon, Babylon and then Persia. Jesus, as I said, was a refugee. Hebrews 11, this way of faith, what seems to mark all of them as they were scattered and they were homeless. This is what it means to walk by faith, is to own, to accept, to receive your refugee status. Some people, again, probably going to be saved, but they're going to walk backwards into all of their tomorrows. That faith that the Lord redeems them, but they, doesn't have, they don't have faith that He has purpose for them today and tomorrow. So their life is focused on how can I feel at home here? 
How can I reverse the curses from yesterday? I'm begging with you, would you turn around like all the people in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Israel stepped into a Red Sea and God delivered them. That first step, I realize, is a step of terror. To let go of what defined you from yesterday and let tomorrow define you, that is a horrifically hard task. The children of Israel had a mountain on one side, a mountain on the other side, and the world's largest standing army behind them. Maybe that first step was a step of terror. After all, what can we do? Our babies and cattle die if we go to the mountains, and we all die if we go that way. So the only option I got is a step forward. There's someone here this morning that you don't have any other option. You're either going to go into some opioid addiction, seek it in the depths of a bottle, seek it in working three more jobs, seek it in acquiring more stuff, seek it in taking another vacation, trying to fill the void, or you can say, I'm going to try out what Jim's saying this morning. I'm going to take a step of faith into my tomorrow. And I know it's going to be a bit freaky because at least I know what yesterday was. And you know what Israel did sometime a little bit later? They said, we wish we were back home. Because at least we had onions there. I don't know what's in your yesterday, but that's an onion. That's all that is. Would you turn around and say, Lord, give me this day what you choose to speak into my life, and I'm going to refuse that as I walk forward into tomorrow. Those three wise men, the Ethiopian eunuch, the centurion with the sick servant, the Syrophoenician woman, the nations represented at Pentecost, all of them were refugee people. So here is my comment this morning. You are a diaspora people, so how are you going to spend the journey? Are you going to fight tooth and nail, resisting aging, resisting poverty that you're in perhaps, or resisting the failed dreams, or resisting health crises, or resisting the uh, abandonment of others, or resisting the constant fears that come our way, fueled by media, fueled by politicians, fueled by experts, so that you need them? Are you going to live that way? Are you going to turn around and look forward? to the day when we get to eat of the tree of life, and between now and then, we will live with purpose and design every step of the way. If you have not yet received the Holy Spirit, this is what empowers you to turn around. Don't, don't try this at home on your own. Just like Fast and Furious 93. Don't drive your car like that. Don't try to turn around and resist yesterday on your own, but with the Holy Spirit. When you are the weakest. Somebody in the room knows what I'm talking about right now. When you've been your weakest, you just raised a feeble hand towards heaven and say, Oh Lord, if I ever needed you, I need you now. And all of a sudden, His sufficient grace comes into your room and turns you around and fills that place with the Prince of Peace. 
We live as refugees. Which is going to control you? Are you going to be controlled by the power of light in tomorrow? Or are you going to be controlled by the shadows of the curses from the past? Will you be controlled by light from tomorrow? Or will you be controlled by the shadows of yesterday? You cannot outrun your shadows, but you can walk into His marvelous light. You cannot outrun the shadows that others have placed on you as a person of color, as a woman, as an elder, as a child, as inefficient in education and dialect you speak. You can't outrun that shadow, but you can walk boldly into everlasting life where you are fully a son and a daughter of an almighty God. That's your choice this morning. Walk in the shadow or walk in the light. You can avoid this if you want. You can be saved and walk in the shadow of yesterday and you can suffer Pentecostal despair. A Pentecostal despair is hearing sermons about the power of the Holy Ghost and not feeling it. Pentecostal despair is hearing the story that God wants to transform Cincinnati in the decade of the 20s and say, yeah, we've heard stuff like that before. I can't take the risk anymore. You might be saved, but you're going to be miserable as you stumble into your tomorrow. But this morning, the Lord's setting before us an open door, turn around, Choose this day the missionary life, which is steadfast and unmovable, and you can serve on the walk home, and your labor here is not in vain. If you're just a seed planter, if you're just a water pourer, just one ladle at a time, the Lord's going to give some increase to your labors, and your labor is not in vain. Brother Littles, I've taught Sunday school class, I've taught Bible studies, I've fed the hungry, I've reached out to the sick, and I don't see any consequences just keep doing what the Spirit's calling you to do. And soon the Master is going to take you into new dimensions of ministry and new dimensions of power and new dimensions of healing. And our brother that's about to be baptized this morning is going to understand in a new way what I'm talking about right now. Because baptism breaks the chains of yesterday. From this day forward, our baptized brother, he's only going to look backward if he chooses to. Up until today, he had to look backward. But today, he's got a choice. I can spend the rest of my days looking forward with God's purposes and God's design. And I'm asking some others in the room... Would you join our brother with his baptism? Not climbing a tank with him, it's not that big. But if you could join him in saying, oh yeah, <laughs> yesterday has no hold on me. That's right. <laughs> oh, sorrow that I felt yesterday, despair, the pain I felt yesterday. I didn't have to do that if I just turn around. The shadows that are chasing me and I don't know about tomorrow. You don't know about tomorrow only if you look in the wrong way. Tomorrow can only terrorize you if you're looking backward. Because looking backward, you see all the things that have happened. And you can imagine what's lurking just behind you. But when you turn around, tomorrow has no fear. His love casts out that fear. And we were not adopted into the spirit of bondage again to fear. 
We've been adopted with a spirit that can cry out, Abba, Father, when fear comes my way, I'm facing towards Him. Father, you called me with purpose and design. This fear has to get behind me in the cursed land where it belongs because I'm walking as a pilgrim. I'm walking as a refugee. And every step here is favored by an almighty God. Every step here works under the light of His Word. Every step here is ordained by His Spirit. And I am following Him and the Holy Ghost from this day forward. Let's stand together, shall we? Some sermons I preach are low-risk sermons. Low-risk sermons with low-hanging fruit. You just you can recline and grab a grape, pop it off, and put it in your mouth. I even pick the seedless kind so you don't get it stuck in your teeth. <laughs> this sermon, on the other hand, is a high-risk sermon. Here's the risk. If you've been living defined by avoiding pain... That has defined you so much. It is hard to say, I surrender all of that. And I choose to see what the Master has for my today. This is one of the highest risk sermons. Next to worship, this is the most high risk sermon I preach. Because it's calling some people to turn away from yesterday. With the risk and faith that says, I know my Redeemer lives has a purpose designed for my life. Lord Jesus, in this room right now, all kinds of folk, folk that have known Your grace in an immeasurable dimension, yet, yet, yet feel sorrows which they can't define, pits of fear that grow in their stomach like an ever-growing iceberg. There are some in this room who might be guests drawn here by some unknown force. And they're feeling that Spirit draw them one more time to take the risk and turn around and face your purposes and your design. There are some in this room who are wearied with the journey. They have labored from early in the morning now till late at night. All kind of folk in this room right now, Lord Jesus. But this one thing I do know, you are not finished with the Calvary Church. It's one thing I do know. You're not finished with any person in this room. It's one thing I do know. You're not finished with any family in this room. It's one thing I do know. You are not finished with us living your light where we work and where we go to university and where we go to school and where we go to shop and where we go to the senior centers. You're not finished with us in all of those locations. So right now, Lord Jesus, would you, with the blowing of the Spirit that blows where it wants to, but you have promised to blow this direction. So I call, as Ezekiel did, from the winds from the north and the south and the east and the west. Right now I follow my brother Ezekiel and call for a blowing of the Holy Spirit into this room right now. I call that that wind turn us around so that I'm not trying to labor my way towards eternity. I raise a sail and feel the blowing of your Spirit. That is my Strong desire, Lord Jesus, I will quit walking in the shadows of yesterday so I can walk in the light of my tomorrow. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, 
please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.